Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our message that we've titled, Flip the Script. Now, this weekend we celebrated Thanksgiving in the United States of America, and for so many people, we, we give thanks, but it's maybe not truly what's in our heart. You see, we all struggle from time to time with being truly thankful. We can put on the face, but inside we're truly struggling to see the good in life around us. Maybe we've lost a job or a loved one, or maybe our grades aren't exactly what we were hoping them to be at this point in our time in school. There could be so many different things. Maybe you were hoping for retirement this year, and the stock market hasn't gone the way, or retirement hasn't uh, been as healthy as you'd hoped it to be, and so you had to put it off another year. So whether it's health or finances or grades, maybe a relationship, we go through times where things aren't always as good as they could be. But the reality is today is we all have something to be thankful for, and it is my hope that as we spend our time together today, we can flip the script in our mind. And instead of dwelling on the things that maybe aren't what we hoped them to be, to be able to focus on the things that truly we are blessed to have. And so today we're going to get our thought life from defeat to victory. And we're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament found in the book of Numbers, so fairly early on in the Bible, and we're going to look at a time when the Israelites, God's chosen people that had been in slavery for many hundreds of years, and God had freed them from slavery, and now they are in the wilderness. And they're amongst a lot of desert animals, right? Like this wilderness isn't the kind of wilderness we think of when we think of maybe forests or maybe tropical areas. No, this was a very dry and arid place. Not a lot to be thankful for. But God had freed them. And they were they were looking forward to the promised land that he gave them to be their inheritance. And so with that, we come to Numbers chapter 11. And we're going to read 15 verses in this passage and, and look at the state that Israel was in. Yes, they weren't exactly in the promised land yet. They were in the desert, a place that isn't very nice. But we also must remember that they had just been freed from slavery, from a very evil Pharaoh who had ruled over them for hundreds of years. And so Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, we read, Now the people began complaining openly before the Lord about hardship. When the Lord heard his anger burned and fire from the Lord burned blaze among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses and he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was named Taborah because the Lord's fire had blazed among them. The riffraff among them had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites wept against again and said, who will feed us meat? We remember the fresh fish. We ate in Egypt, along with the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. 
Remember, God had provided for them manna every morning. They'd wake up, they had exactly what they needed, but they're complaining about it now. The manna resembled a coriander seed, and it, its appearance was like that of bdellium. The people walked around and gathered it. They ground it in a pair of grinding stones and crushed it in a mortar, then boiled it in a cooking pot and shaped it into cakes. It tasted like a pastry cooked with the finest oil. When the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. Moses heard the people and family after family weeping at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry, and Moses was also provoked. So Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? And why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth so you should tell me? Did I give birth so you should tell me? Carry them at your breast as a nanny carries a baby to this land that I swore to give their fathers. Where can I get meat to give all these people? For they are weeping to me. Give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. They are too much for me. You are going to treat me like this. Please kill me now if I have found favor with you. Don't let me see the misery anymore. My goodness, right? The Israelites and now Moses are on this complaint train. They were complaining about the food. Moses was complaining about the people. Just take me away. I don't want this anymore. Now, in the previous chapter, that is verse 11 in chapter 10, we read that Israel was just two years removed from slavery. And now they were complaining about God's provisions and the hardships they were facing. In fact, they wanted to go back to Egypt, where slavery and death were imminent. If they had to go back to Egypt after God had freed them from them and caused the army to be drowned in the Red Sea, after all that he had did with all the plagues and proving himself powerful, they wanted to go back after what God had done. And why did he burn with anger? Why did he start consuming them? Because they were ungrateful for all that he had done, the miracles, the provisions, everything that he gave them wasn't enough. Would there ever be enough? Here we live in America, a land of plenty with everything at our fingertips. Have we forgotten where we came from? The lands where we came from, where we were persecuted, left for dead, where we didn't have enough. We came to this land. In many ways, we came to this land seeking freedom, but then taking freedom from others to do it. <laughs> it's we live in this dilemma, right? We are a people. We are a people. We are humans who are, have the propensity of never seeing the good. It's never enough. God gives us so much, and then we want more, and we want more, and it's never enough. That's exactly where we find them in this story. They wanted to go back to a place where they were slaves. You see, God had changed their identity. They were slaves. Now they were freed. They were once again seen as God's chosen people that he had separated, set apart to be a light 
He proved it through all the miracles, through, through the death of these evil people that, that were persecuting his chosen people that were a light to the world. They were freed. They were his. They were called by his name. They wanted to go back. How could they do that to all that he had done? We get critical. We point fingers out. But we forget that we too are in the same situation. Listen to what God calls us. If you are a follower of Christ, if you've, you've asked Jesus to forgive you of the evil that you have done, the sins that you've committed, which we all have, right? We've all told a lie. We've all gotten angry and, and reacted in not a pleasant way. We've all, we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short, as the Bible calls it. But if you've asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you, to set you free from that, here is what God's word says of you. In Romans 6, 6, he said that we are no longer slaves of sin. In Deuteronomy 28, 13, he says that we are the first not the last. His people are the first, not the last. We are the head. We are not the tail. Romans 8, 17 says we are an heir of Christ. And 1 Peter 2, 9 says we are God's chosen. We are his priests, priestesses. We, we are called by his name. Church, a follower of Christ. We are his. Maybe it's just me, but if I were to be honest with myself, I would have to admit that so often I don't live as if these statements are true. I so often struggle with sin and don't live as if I was a child of God. If I was set apart to proclaim his goodness to this world, I'd shrink back. I don't have the confidence. I still have issues like anybody else with sin, with thinking wrong thoughts. With saying things that are not in any way, shape, or form beneficial or encouraging. I, I fail to keep my brothers or sisters accountable to what they are called to as followers of Christ. I fall short. In short. But you know what? Though we are a lot like the Israelites, we are a lot also like the saints of the New Testament that we so look up to. Listen to what Paul says in his letter to the Romans in chapter 7. This is... You know, one of those passages, and if you don't know uh, Paul in the New Testament, he was a hero for many. He penned many of the letters that we read from after the book of Acts onward. He predominantly wrote most of the New Testament from then on. He was a hero of many. He wrote the theology of the early church. But yet, after all that God had done, freed him from this this terrible, murderous lifestyle that he lived. Confused about who Jesus was. 
he gets radically changed, transformed, and saved to be a follower of Jesus. And then he writes, after all of the amazing things that he pens, all the way up to Romans chapter 7, he opens up and listen to this wonderful display of something that we all struggle with and we can all relate to. And this is in verse 14 of Romans chapter 7. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the good that lives in me, that is my flesh. For the desire to do what is good with me, but there is not any ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, right? Inside, there's a lot that he's saying here, and he kind of goes back and forth, right? But now he boils it down. What's inside of me wants to honor God. I desire to live for him. But I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me a prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Who will rescue me? Who will save me? Paul is just like us. He he battled this war between his past and, and who he still is inside. He's, this body, right? His spirit desires to do good. I know that every person listening to me today, if you are a follower of Christ, your heart is to serve him, to follow him. You have a passion for him deep inside of your spirit that calls out and says, help me, Jesus, I am failing. But your body, your mind, your emotions, they haven't been fully redeemed, right? They are being set apart. They are being sanctified to this day. But your spirit, who you are that will live in, in, in to eternity, has been saved. You are right with God, but this flesh is still being sanctified, still being set apart to become like Jesus. And it never will fully get there until you have this new body in heaven that meets your spirit and you are fully like God. Whatever that means, we're so, like, I can't wait to see what heaven's like. But for today, you and I are like Paul, a hero of faith who is battling back and forth. And in verse 25, he proclaims this beautiful statement, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He will rescue us. So then, with God, my mind I myself am serving the law of God, but my flesh, the law of sin. Which is perfect. We're not going to be perfect here on earth in our flesh, but in our spirit. We are set apart. We are holy. Thanks be to God. We are victorious. We are victorious. 
But what I want to help us today is to, to become thankful. Though we're going to battle this war till the day we die, we are going to continue to be set apart. I want you to not live in this past. I don't want you to run back to your former life. I want to help you to flip the script in your life. I want you to become thankful inside today. I want, you to, I want to help you turn that page from your negative thinking to your positive thinking, from your past to your future, to make you victorious. And Paul understood this. And what he wants you to do is to bury your past. In order to flip the script in your life, to take you from, from the negative, from, from the, 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 the place where you once were to where you want to be with Jesus, you need to first bury your past. Mark Batterson Beautifully stated, it took one day to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. God has given you freedom. It's time to bury your past. It's time to turn the corner and put an end to that sinful lifestyle. You've, you've run around that mountain for long enough. Whether it's 40 years since the day you got saved and you're still battling with it, or two years, or two months. It's time to bury the past. Paul stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Now I know that's, that's talking about that, that inner spirit but it also is talking about the flesh as well. It's time to bury that past. It's time to become who you were created to be. And the next step that you need to do in that process is not only do you need to bury the past, but you need to change your thinking. Studies indicate that up to 80% of your thinking in a day is negative. 80%. That's, that's normal in our world. But that wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing if it wouldn't be the follow-up study that states what you think, you become. What you think or what you speak is what you become. If you want to flip the script, in your life, you must bury your past and intentionally speak and think what you want to become. Just intentionally speak and think what you want to become. What do you want to become? Where do you want your life to end up? You need to bury that past. It's gone. You, you can't do anything about it, but you can live new today. And you need to stop thinking about that old lifestyle, that old way of thinking, that old way of speaking, that old way of doing. Bury it. Finish it. Don't be playing around with it no more. That is, it's done. It's over. You are a new person. 
in Jesus. You are an heir of Christ. You are a son. You are a daughter. Start living into that. Start speaking that into reality. Intentionally think and speak what you want to become. And then lastly, you must define that win. You must define where you want to go. If you are speaking life into yourself, if you are thinking positive, good things, what are they? What is it that you want to become? Where do you want to go? You must define that. Because if you don't have a destination, what are you speaking? Where are you taking yourself? You must define that win. So who do you want to become? Where do you want to go? What is it that God has spoken to you? You are new in Jesus. You are an heir of Christ. You are a representative of him. You are an ambassador. You represent him. Speak that into existence. God doesn't call the skilled, the mighty, the greatest leaders of all time. No, he's looking for those who will step out and say, I'm a child of God, and what he puts into my spirit that I must become. So speak that into existence. I don't care how scary it is or how minimal it might be. If God has called you, you must go forth. Dream big. Speak. And then last thought as we close today. Start where you're at. Start speaking life where you're at. I realize that that dream might be so crazy, so big, and you, you're just overwhelmed by it right now. So speak life into where you are right now. What is that first step for you? Speak life into it. Thomas Carlyle, a Scottish historian, once wrote, Our grand business undoubtedly is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. Dimly lit in a distance, you're going to get there. Just focus on what's at hand. And so today as we close, I want you to flip the script today in your life. For some of you, maybe you need to bury your past. You need to totally bury. Maybe you've already given your life to Jesus. Maybe you haven't. It begins with giving your life to him and saying, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I've messed up and I know the only way to be right with you, to be in heaven with you someday, is if I ask you to forgive me. And I make you the Lord, the king, the pilot of my life. You need to do that. And for some of you, you've been a follower and you just need to finish off that past. That sin that you've lived in, that, that habit that you've lived with, whatever it is for you that character flaw that you just struggled with, it's time to bury it. Stand up. Face it. Face it. Get, get face to face with it. Get it in, in its grill and say, I'm done with you. I don't want to live this way no more. You've got to get intentional. Fight it. Get angry with it. It's okay to get angry with your sin. Jesus got angry with those who thought they were high and mighty and were living a hypocritical lifestyle. He got in their grill. So get in the grill of those things in your life that have been just taking you around the mountain for far too long. Get done with it. 
bury the past. Israel didn't bury their past, and they suffered mightily for it. Only two of them got to go into the promised land. Hundreds and thousands of people didn't get to go into the promised land because they refused to bury the past. I don't want you to not enter into the promised land that God has for you on earth. You have freedom. You have joy. You have peace. You have the ability to be patient, to be kind, to be gentle. You can be called out and do a great work right where you are. But you have to bury the past. We're called to greatness. We are those who are being buried. And then secondly, elders, you probably, like myself, need to change our thinking. I, get, I really have a hard time seeing the good in situations. I always see the things that need improvement or the things that aren't getting done. And I just focus on that. Or I see the things in the news and it just deflates me, right? It's time to stop focusing on the negative and see what God sees. God is always about seeing the things that are happening and coming alongside him. So join God where he's at, where he's moving, what he's doing. Get on board with that and get fired up. And speak life into where you're going. And then lastly, some of you need to define that. It's hard to know where you're going. It's hard to get there if you, if you don't define. So define your way. Speak it out. See those goals. Spend time with God and be open to where he wants you to go. Flip the script. Be thankful. See the good. Go forward with God and be encouraged by him. Father, I pray for every person listening, that they will flip the script in their life, that they will truly see the good, that they'll go forward in life and not, not sit here in stagnation waiting, wondering when their time is. No, God, they need to take matters into their hands, enter alongside of you, bury their past, flip that, that negative thought life into a positive one and define where they're going and enter with you in this journey to see the world change. God, lift up their spirit now. May they get excited for what you have for them. us this week for our Thanksgiving message. I know it was a little different, but I am so excited for this upcoming holiday season as we turn our attention to the beauty and the joy of Jesus Christ. I hope you can join us in the next few weeks as we take a look at holy moments in the Bible.